Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Kander. And I'm Ravi Gupta. And this is Majority 54, the podcast for meaningful conversations that change minds, change votes, and win elections. The year is coming to an end. We thought we'd use this episode to reflect on our favorite or just the most memorable moments from 2022. So we're going to run through four categories here, media and pop culture, impactful news, political moments, and our favorite parts from this podcast. But before we get into all of that, Ravi, I see you're wearing, a, I don't know if that counts as an ugly Christmas sweater, but it is a vintage Bills uh, it's, sweater. It's, it's in vintage Bills format, but it's actually Josh Allen. Oh, but actually, yeah, look at that. now that we're in my apartment, hold on, let me show you something. Okay, here we go. What do we got? Oh, you've, you've got, Ravi's holding up Flutie Flakes with actual Flutie on them. Doug Flutie, uh, an undersized Boston College quarterback who actually exceeded a lot of expectations and took the Bills very far uh, at some That's point, right. but but not not all the way. But Well, you know, I did not mean to hijack the best of with some Bills content here. I think it's inevitable. Yeah, it's inevitable. But, you know, this is our opportunity to look back at what was quite a crazy year. And we want to offer our audience just a sense of like some of the things that stood out to us. So let's talk about just the news of the year, and we could group these together. Most uplifting and encouraging moment, most memorable moment, and the great, most impactful moment. We can kind of like put these all together. And I think for me, it's like a combination of stuff. Like I came into this year extremely anxious, and I talked about it on this podcast all the time, about the state of democracy around the world. And that was true of our midterms, but it was also true of other democracies transitioning out of democracy or autocracies where their leaders were strengthening their hand. And I think there were just a period of moments throughout the year, I'll put them all together, that added up to democracy having a pretty good year. Our midterm results. Overall, the results defied expectations overnight and history for the party in the White House. There was Bolsonaro no losing. Change is coming to Brazil after an historic election night that ousted far-right incumbent Jair Bolsonaro in favor of former... G in trouble in China. Unrest is growing in China over the country's strict COVID-19 measures. Fresh protests have broken you out. You know, is he going to be totally gone? No, but like there's been pressure on him to like actually change his tact. Putin's in trouble in a certain kind of way. The Iranian regime, their people are rising up against them. Today marks the 70th day of anti-regime protests in Iran. Protests that erupted over the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who died while in police custody after not covering... And I don't know if this will be like an Arab Spring type moment where you know, we're fighting back and then we get squashed or whatever, but it is a, it has been a good year. President Biden before the cameras late today calling it a good day for democracy and a good day for America. 
So there's like three or four, maybe five moments or trends of the year that I look back and say, wow, I feel really good about this year for democracy. Those are all right on and they pretty well touch on. I, I kind of picked one in particular to focus on, and, and it was the realization that we had won all of the Secretary of State races that were against election deniers. Really, I mean, for the most part, other than Georgia, swept the Secretary of State races. And to me, that was really encouraging because of exactly what you're talking about. Because that is, look, when I ran for Secretary of State in 2012, it was like hard to get people to care about the Secretary of State's race, but it was just as hard to find people who understood what the Secretary of State was. And so I, with Let America Vote and with other work, dedicated a lot of time and energy, as did a lot of other people, to shining a light on the huge impact that these that these offices have on our democracy. And it's just really encouraging to see that that mattered and to see that people vote. Like, like Adrian Fontes got the most votes of any of the constitutional statewides running in Arizona running for secretary of state. And that, that says to me, people were like, we understand what this office does. We understand why it's important. And we understand who we don't want in it, and including a lot of independents and even some Republicans. And that was really uplifting and encouraging to me. Awesome. Also worth mentioning the Dobbs decision, right? Like huge, huge moment yes. that defined the year. I, I mean, I remember both the leak very specifically yeah. and then the decision itself and the aftermath. Well, for me, that's, for me, that's the greatest impact category. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, I think we can like, you know, there's all sorts of ways that we try and explain lots of, I don't know why, just cause I guess we have a podcast where we talk for a living. Like what that's, and, and that's what they do on the news and everything. Everybody wants to talk about all sorts of other most impactful things and no doubt democracy and other issues are very impactful, but you can't get around the fact that that was the most impactful for sure uh, in the election. For sure. I also thinking about this in terms of, of most memorable and then also most underrated for me in terms of news moments for me, most memorable is, and I don't even remember. I, I, I think it was this year that the invasion <laughs> of, of Ukraine mm -hmm. uh, began, right? That the, mm -hmm. the war with Russia began. Good evening. And we're coming on the air at this hour with breaking news after the U S warned all day of a full scale Russian invasion of Ukraine, that it was imminent Vladimir Putin has just addressed the Russian people moments ago, announcing what Putin called the start of a military special operation, in his words, to demilitarize... That's the most memorable, because that, that was one where, obviously, um, there's many reasons why any of us would have found that most memorable. But one moment that I remember really well is uh, going on a business trip um, with one of my colleagues from work, uh, who's a fellow uh, veteran, and it's somebody who, they pay attention to the news, but they're not like, a news junkie. And I remember saying to them, we were sitting in the gate waiting for the, to board the plane in Kansas city. And I was like, and it had been going for a few days. And I was like, man, I, I know I should not hang on every piece of news about Ukraine, but I was like, I cannot stop. And he was like, and this is not a guy who pays super close attention to the news. He's like, dude, me too. He's like, I'm watching it as if I have like a, a division to control on the battlefield. He's like, mm -hmm. I can't. And so I, I think that was true for a lot of people. But I, I do think it was particularly impactful for for veterans, probably like because it, for whatever reason, like because of the nature of, you know, the good versus evil, all of that, I, I just have hung on a lot of the details of that. Yeah, and it continues on, you know, just fighting. Well, OK, underreported news moment. I've got one, which is this uh, ProPublica 
which is a nonprofit news entity that does investigative journalism, partnered with a few news outlets recently to do a bunch of stories about special education in America. And they particularly had one story about New York City and one story about Seattle. And I won't go into it here, but they basically delved into certain ways that different places go about special education and just showed some horrific practices. And we, I covered them uh, extensively at Lost Debate, but these are stories that are huge and not a lot of people are paying attention to. And so just shout out to them. Like they, they did some really good work there. Mine is not just underreported, it's almost unreported. And I think hardly anybody knows this, is that during the World Cup, all uh, evacuation flights out of Afghanistan have stopped. And that is because the vast majority of those flights uh, have gone into either Al-Yadid Air Base or the Doha Airport, both in, in Qatar. And so it's just something that the world doesn't know, is that there's pretty much no way out of Afghanistan, including for the people who are, like have all of their paperwork in place and have everything worked out to evacuate, there's no way out by plane so long as the World Cup is going on. That's terrible. Let's add it to the reasons why this was a crappy place to hold the World Cup. It turns out, yeah. My daughter, Bella, has reached an age where there is a lot of pretending and a lot of mimicking going on. So in the mornings, I, I do my AG1 in the mornings, and I, I put in my, my stuff in my bottle, and then I shake it up. Well, um, the other morning, we were doing this new thing where she's drinking out of a cup, and it's on its own in a vacuum, very adorable, sometimes a little messy, but she's getting pretty good at it. Except what she did is she saw me do that, and then she just decided to shake up her own drink. And uh, and so, you know, we had to clean that up. Um, so this is to say, AG1 does a, a million wonderful things for you, and I will continue to drink it at the beginning of every day. But don't shake it up in front of your two-year-old who's mimicking you and has a drink in her hand. Bella... I would say is a spry, energetic young woman. And you could be spry and energetic too if you take Athletic Greens AG1. And what's really wonderful is they will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash majority. That's again, athleticgreens.com slash majority. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, Jason, I'm coming to you live from my apartment and I have a certain motif going on here. Uh, let me show you. My wonderful all form chair over here. Uh, it's it's a very nice chair. I've not actually seen it before. I've heard it described. It's got that look that says, even though it's not the case, that says, oh, this person spent a great deal of money on this chair. Well, here's what I love about all form. First of all, I, I am inept at putting anything together. And it took me like four minutes to put that whole thing together, which was wonderful. Also, they allow you to pick your fabric, your color, et cetera. And as you can see behind me, I needed to match with my motif that I had going on already. And it was super easy to do, super comfortable, and they look pretty darn good. It, it, it does look very good. Uh, so look, folks, I think we've told you enough. I think you need to get out there and you need to get your all-form sofa or a piece of furniture. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash majority54. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash majority54. Step up your sofa game today. Let's just tick through some of our favorite political moments of the year. Obviously, we've talked about some of them already. Jason, what stands out for you? I mean, obviously, we've talked about the big moments, but like locking into the sort of minutiae here. Uh, one of the most inspiring things for me was Wes Moore. 
being elected governor um, of Maryland. History made in Maryland tonight. The Democrat there, uh, Wes Moore, becomes governor there. And Byron Pitts, he makes history. And this is quite the story. Yeah, shout out to Wes. Uh, interestingly, his opponent in the primary, John King, who's our former secretary of education, who's also a friend of mine, it was a tough race because there's so many good candidates in that primary. Yeah. Tom Perez was in that race. Yeah. Another friend. Yeah. Tom. I mean, it was just multiple cabinet members right. <laughs> in the same race. He beat out a lot of really good people. So his his opponent in that race, John King, just took over as the chancellor of the State University of New York system. I was a graduate of State University oh. of New York system. So we went in New York, even yeah. John King lost <laughs> the primary. It's good. Right. So- uh, for me, I'm going to pick an easy one, which is the Fetterman campaign, just very inspiring mm-hmm. in general, like both what he had to overcome in terms of his stroke and that entire team. Shout out to Rebecca Katz and Matt McLaughlin and a lot of the, the folks over there who put in a lot of work to put us over the top there. I was very anxious every step of the way. I just remember like watching that debate we talked about on this podcast. Man, it did not seem like it was going to work out at various points. It was really a roller coaster. It uh, it was it was a roller coaster because it went from prior to the stroke him just just mopping the floor with with Oz, and it was like it was the one race where everybody was like, all right, well, this one seems to be in hand. And then you know, it wasn't just the stroke. I mean, things just tightened down the stretch in every race, um, and it became yeah. It be- it became really hard to to know what was going to happen and, and really scary. Uh, related to that, that that's one half of my choice for favorite viral moment uh, mm-hmm. has got to be the grocery store video from Oz, the crudite. Guys, that's twenty dollars for crudite, and this doesn't include the tequila. I mean, that's outrageous. We got Joe Biden to thank for this. And and really, you could just put the whole the whole string of self owns and like own goals by Oz, uh, are, have to be really up there, uh, for some of the favorite stuff. But for me, when I was, cause one of the notes we have here is favorite viral moment or speech for me, I think it is John Stewart's speech, um, on the burn pits legislation. America's heroes who fought in our wars, battling all kinds of ailments while these mother sit in the air conditioning walled off from any of it i cannot remember the last time uh, that somebody posted a 10 minute video to twitter and i started watching it and time flew by and i watched all 10 minutes but he i mean he just was so good and so persuasive uh it's like a clinic in in activism and and yeah like he has his his notoriety and his fame and that's part of why you watch but really, after the first few seconds, that goes out the window, and you're just watching a masterclass in in dissecting a bunch of bullshit coming out of out of the Republicans, and uh, it, it was just amazing. And it worked. I mean, they ended up passing the thing and not making a single change, and just having to pretend that they changed. I mean, they completely caved, which doesn't happen that often. I think for my viral moment, it was uh, it was a collection of of piling on. Herschel Walker that happened both before <laughs> yeah. November and then during this sort of runoff period of time. And there were three of them. One was Obama's speech mocking Herschel Walker about the wolves and vampires or whatever. Since the last time I was here, Mr. Walker has been talking about issues that are of great importance to the people of Georgia. Like whether it's better to be a vampire or a werewolf. Two as this pastor, I don't know his name, but some mega church in Atlanta oh, who yeah. absolutely ripped Herschel Walker and probably 
violated his C3 obligations. So they figured that they would delude us by picking somebody who they thought would in fact represent us better with a football than with a degree in philosophy. And then the third was Jimmy Kimmel has this guy, I don't know if you saw the segment where this this comedian for Jimmy Kimmel went to a series of Herschel, uh, Herschel Walker rally and just did a man on the street thing. <laughs> I'll try to dig it up. It was honestly the funniest thing I've seen in a very long time. And this guy just pretended to be a Herschel Walker supporter and almost like Borat style got people to open up. And it was just insanely funny. Well, if Herschel is elected, it'll be 50-50, okay? It'll be split right down the middle. Like in that Lucy episode where they put tape down the middle and Ricky had to drink out of the toilet and Lucy had to make her brown in the kitchen sink. (laughs) So, Jason, favorite books. What stood out to you? And this could be new books and it could be just books that you hadn't read before that you dusted off. I there were several books that I really liked this year and then I was just trying to think of what was the one that was like the breeziest most enjoyable not necessarily like a oh I learned a lot from this book book I think it's called Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir what I liked about it what was so interesting is it's so the concept of the book is that there's like a an alien fungus on the sun and they have to come up with a way to go find a natural predator for this alien fungus so the main character ends up going into deep space and being alone in deep space and encountering another, like an alien who's doing the exact same thing for his star system. And it becomes like basically a buddy comedy. Hmm. Uh, And it's, I just really enjoyed it. Well, I've got a couple here. One is I read this great book called Invisible Storm. Oh, well done. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, If you have not read it yet, you got to go check it out. I've written about um, how much I love that book. I have one new read in addition to that and one old read. So my new read is this book called Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. It's a very quick read. I actually just read it with my staff. And it's like, it's great. It's got little vignettes just about like why it's important to be disciplined and how to show discipline in different areas of life. I think it's really wonderful and very accessible to most people. And then I reread this book called uh, On the Move by Oliver Sacks. If you ever see the movie Awakenings, he's the the guy that Robin Williams plays there, but he was you know, this wonderful doctor who just had this very generous spirit and sense of optimism towards his patients. He he often dealt with patients with severe cognitive impairments or or diseases and rare diseases. So it's a great book all about like his his life. And he wrote it, I think, right before he died. He died a couple of years ago. So what was that called? It's called On the Move. Awesome. Okay. All right. Uh movies. I have two and I guarantee my second is your your pick. My not obvious choice is this movie called The Menu, which I just watched a couple a week ago, which is a, a movie about a high end restaurant where things go wrong. Is all I'll say. And it's got a wonderful cast. It's like horror esque. I like very much hate uber fancy restaurants, and this movie is like a a very not so subtle critique of like the five star restaurant that's like everything's like a production and all that. So it's really good. But my second is guaranteed to be your choice. So you tell me what your choice is. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, that was mine too. Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You were here at the request. It was so good. I mean, I just, there's no avoiding it as, you know, I wanted to like have a pick that made me seem deeper. 
but and I spent a lot of the year after it came out trying to convince Diana that she needed to see it and needed to see it in the theater. And she was just like, I didn't like the first movie that much. I'm not. And then she never did see it in the theater. And then we finally streamed it at home. And by the end of it, she was like, uh, you're right. I don't know how I went this long without seeing that movie. That was incredible. And uh, I'm so glad I've seen it, now. you know, which is like, that was cool. Uh, okay, TV shows or TV episodes, like Band of Brothers is my favorite thing ever to show up on the screen, and I and I had never watched The Pacific, which is the follow-on series to it, and I re I watched that recently for the first time. Pacific is about like the island hopping strategy in, in the Pacific campaign, and just how much more cynical in a way it was, and in, in, like the way the people saw it, like and how it truly ruined the lives of a lot of the the young men who even made it back. So it's like a less idealistic portrait of war, but no less impactful. Yeah, people don't realize that that island hopping campaign was just D-Day over and over again. Yes, it's absolutely terrifying stuff. Um, for me, a, a little less like obvious one then is something we've been watching lately with True, uh, which is a series on Netflix called Losers. It's a, about athletes of different sports who didn't win. Many days you feel like crying, but winning is not the most important thing in life. Getting knocked out was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, it's I wouldn't necessarily say it's for everybody to watch with their kid. I mean, it's R-rated. Um, we just there are certain R-rated things that we choose to expose True to, and we sit with him and watch them. But uh, it, it prompted a really interesting conversation with True, where we talked about my Senate race and my, cause you know, he's always understood the trajectory of the last few years in terms of, you know, at first it was dad decided to focus more on being a dad. And then like, we had a good chat about like PTSD and like the decisions dad made, but it was really interesting to then take it to the next level and talk to him about like, well, yeah, dad ran in this Senate race and that's how you're, that's how we got to the point where people stop your dad and know who he is. And, you know, that was initially how, and, and like, but I lost and, and, you know, now that he competes like in baseball at like a decently competitive level, it was just a very interesting conversation with him about like, yeah, I'm kind of famous for losing something. And it was just really interesting to have the chance to talk to him about, you know, whether you win or lose, like the value is in getting out there and trying things. And so, okay. Right. Uh, podcasts. Okay. So there's this podcast that came out recently called if books could kill. And basically, I've been on the hunt, you know, I started this media company like a year ago, and I've been trying to teach like young people how to really do nuance well. And these guys, there's like they're economists slash comedians, and they take books that we know. Their first episode is Freakonomics, which I had been a fan of that book. And then I, I listened to this podcast and these guys just absolutely eviscerate it, both with humor and with with really strong analysis. And to me, it was a great example where I held it up to the the people I work with to be like, this is how you do nuance with with humor and make it entertaining. Like the guys who do that podcast are really, really good. Uh, okay, so for mine, um, I continue to mostly consume podcasts for entertainment purposes. My favorite one this year, uh, and I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the show, is uh, the podcast. I've, it's been one I've been listening to for quite some time. 
Here's the thing about it. You don't have to be a sports fan. So it's Joe Posnanski, who's the best baseball writer in the country. And then Mike Schur, who people would either know from this show if they listen to this or more likely from, yeah. <laughs> you know, you more likely know him as the guy who played Moe's on The Office when he was a writer on The Office and then created Parks and Rec, created The Good Place, created Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it's ostensibly a baseball podcast, but it's not really. It's two guys talking about sports the way if you're a sports fan, you talk about sports with your friends, which is just appreciating sports and talking about the parts that are funny. And and it's just uh, hugely enjoyable. Ravi started this fitness competition that's also basically a wellness competition a couple of years ago. I'm going into my fourth season of participating in it. If you look at my scores from this last one, I, I'll be honest, I scored very poorly on meditation, uh, and I really want to be better about it. So I'm very excited to to get back in the habit of using Calm. It's the number one mental wellness app for a reason. Uh, it's just got so many different options. Uh, you can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, rest and recharge with their imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. So I can't recommend Calm enough, and I'm going to really lean back into using Calm in this next season of this challenge because I because we get points in ours for meditating, and it's just good for me. Well, for listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash M54. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash M54 for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash M54. Listen, this is a tough time of year for a lot of people, and I know this has been one of the most economically strange and turbulent years that we've seen in our lifetimes. So I know people are struggling sometimes. You got to get those gifts for family members. You got to cover expenses. And interest rates are as bad as they've been, you know, probably since I was a little kid. And so things are tough out there. And that's why I like Dave. This is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly. With Dave, there's no interest, late fees, or credit checks. That's more money to buy last-minute gifts, catch on bills. You don't have to wait for your next paycheck, and you can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. And millions of people have already downloaded this app, the Dave app, to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now or go to dave.com slash m54. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. All right. Favorite moments from Majority 54. Now, this is the best. Favorite guest, Jason. I know this is tough. I loved Monica Guzman. Uh, when she did oh, her basically yeah. political therapy episode, that was really nice. I love her. That was so good. She was so good. Yeah, people should go back and listen to that episode. Well, I wish I could talk to her every day. I think I'd be a better human. It was like sitting in on a therapy session for you about your family and their politics mm -hmm. and me just getting to watch. First of all, the goal of persuasion, it's not like we can zap it out of our brains. It'll always be there. That's right. fine. But if the yeah. express and only purpose, if you're focused on persuading, one of the things that will happen is you will close your mind to what you could learn from her. That was a really fun episode. Okay. Do you have a favorite new term that we... Well, there's only one that I think can really rise to the top, which is fake treat. Shout out to, I forget who it was in our audience who did this. I, I'll be reminded and I'll shout them out on a future episode, but a member of our audience came up with this term, the fake treats. Yeah. For like the, it's like for people who 
for like the Ron DeSantis thing where you you do things like you, you you're mean to the Special Olympics because of their COVID policy and then you sort of marry that to some sort of patriotism. That's was my first instinct. And then I was thinking, I was like, you know, but we haven't really used it the way no, we thought. Like we thought yeah. we were going to employ it. So it's like one of my favorite things that we tried to do, but I don't feel like it really worked the way we wanted. And so I actually like it's sort of a new semi category that we or segment that we uh, introduced this year, which comes from the very beginning of the year, which is when things are political but don't seem political or, or you know, not political but are political. And that's kind of it's. I don't know if it's a term, but I really like that that we've been taking things that are really happening in pop culture, in sports, in music, in the movies or whatever, and we talk about them not. For that, but because they are political, even though they may not at first seem political, but they really impact politics. Um, I've got one, which is from V from Under the Desk, when they revealed that they're from Rochester and a Bills fan, to your utter shock and dismay. Uh, Robbie, yeah. good to meet you too. Go Bills, there big you go. time. Thank Let's you. hope there's no coins in Arrowhead Stadium oh that really got us last time. Yeah, what, what, a, what a dumb here? rule. What a dumb rule. <laughs> it was really exciting to see. I, I did. I felt outnumbered. And it, and it's and now that you remind me, V probably, I mean, that's that's top five as well for guests. Yeah. And I think the difference we see between Blake Masters and Carrie Lake is also I was on the Girl in the Gov podcast last week and we were talking about this new term called gender washing, which is where the far right um, will put up a female candidate because they think in doing so, her extremism is kind of blunted by the idea that it's a female candidate and we should trust women. Um, so the extremism, even though she and Blake Masters are saying the same things, it does come off harder when he's saying it because he's not a woman. There's not. Uh, that, For was, sure. that was a great episode, too. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you, you were on a book tour. What was your favorite moment from just getting out there and pressing the flesh and seeing people in person or via Zoom? Well, first, let me tell you my not favorite part. And I've mentioned this on the show and I just can't not talk about it because now looking back, it was just insane. My not favorite part of it was having the shingles. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot book about tour. that. And I, yeah, sometimes I realize I'm like, God, I did a whole book tour with the shingles and like didn't realize I had the shingles until like eight days in when you're really supposed to treat shingles after like two days but i was on the road i didn't understand what was happening and i kept having other explanations and it got really bad that was really hard and diana took very good care of me and helped me get through that um which leads me to what it was actually my favorite moment from the book tour was uh the joint interview uh we did on cnn uh with brianna keller the book for those who've read it you know people will know that the book is it's it's by me, but there's a lot of first person passages in there from Diana, and it is in a lot of ways it's it's a book written by both of us, and you know I I love it the opportunity to do to do fun things with my wife, but it, so it was Diana had never I don't think done like the national like she'd done like there'd been feature stories on us where we'd done interviews, but she'd never done the national live cable news thing, and I've obviously done that a lot, so it was really fun to like go and do the routine and all and have her with me for it. And like, she was nervous, but did great. And like, that was just a really fun experience to go, to go get to do that with her. Well, in closing, let's look ahead. Uh, let's talk new year's resolutions. And I think we could think of this broadly, like political, personal, whatever. What's on your docket. Uh, we'll start with political. It's sort of a carryover from, this last year, which is to embrace 
to continue to embrace the fact that I'm I'm not a politician. I'm not running for something. I don't have a responsibility to always think about the partisan opinion first or to filter what I think about through any sort of partisan filter. Now, like it doesn't really stop me from largely coming down on things with a, a very partisan or at least a, a, a very liberal perspective often. That said, I have enjoyed over the last year embracing the idea that I can first digest news and think about news the way a regular person who's not running for office and doesn't have to comment on everything every day would. And I think that that has made me more thoughtful about it. And I want to just lean into that more. You're very good at that. I'm like relearning how to do that after a a career as a politician. And so I want to lean into doing that more and better this year. Yeah, amen to that. I, I, mine is very similar, is to just show more political courage. And I want to thank our audience because I think our audience is just such a great spirit about them. You know, every time I'm worried about airing a question or, or expressing an opinion that I think may be unpopular, even the bakers in Kansas come around and are very nice to me, even though I deserve their, their ire. But this is a year where I think I've got a lot on my docket. I'm going to India in all likelihood. I'm doing a project with Ben Rhodes uh, where where it's going to take a lot of courage to tell the story that we want to tell there. And then just making around the country and just expressing opinions from a genuine perspective, even if I think people may not love them, no matter who the they is in that from that perspective, and just hope and expect that whether it's our audience or the Lost Debate audience or just friends I've worked with in politics, like we have a shared enough understanding of who we are that we can have tough conversations about the future of this country and the party. And so very similar to yours. Well, okay. Personal resolutions. Let's end on that. Jason, what do you got going on? Like, obviously so many of our listeners are so invested in in your story now after reason, reading your book, like what's on your docket personally this year? Um, you know, it's funny, like Diana and I do a whole thing where we come up with our new year's resolutions at the end of the year. And I just, I haven't done it yet, but I, I can do at least one that I'm pretty sure of, which is basic mindfulness, like to continue to like, I I kind of, it's always a resolution for me, but I frankly didn't make a lot of progress on it this year. My excuse is I had a lot of stuff going on, book tour and, and, you know, stuff at work and and everything. But there was a moment like three weeks ago where I was cleaning the the baby's like table on her high chair, which is something I do every night, and I'm like scrubbing it, and I remember thinking, "Wow, I'm I'm really thinking about scrubbing this right now," which I do it every night, and I was like, "I'm really thinking about it," and it seems like I feel really good right now, and so it was just this moment of realization of like I'm gonna try really hard to be present in more mundane moments because it's very good for my mental health. It's mm. very hard to do, and I do it wrong most of the time, but I'm going to try really hard. Oh, that's wonderful. What about you? One is to really just build community and invest in it, not expect it to come to me, but like really like this gets to the loneliness stuff that we were talking about before, which is like, we're at the certain point now where you you're expecting other people to do the rituals, whether it's host the holiday or whatever. And then you wake up and you're like, well, I'm the adult now. Everything's really my responsibility. There's nobody to look to to take care of these things. And so I've got to make some certain big decisions about where I spend my time and what I invest in and all that. And there's just a lot of trade-offs that I need to really think about. And I, and I want to just invest in other people more. And I think on a more technical front, I want to learn Spanish. You know, every year I do a different thing. I did surfing a couple of years ago. I did tennis this past year, powerlifting three years ago. And this year I want to do, I want to learn Spanish 
really out of both out as an intellectual exercise, but as a sign of respect to the many, many Spanish speakers in my life, whether they're down in Costa Rica or up here, who have put up with me not learning so much. And I feel like I, even though I'm curious and want to do it, it's I also view it as an obligation to the people around me who I respect so much. That's going to be interesting because based on the trajectory you're on, you know, you did powerlifting three years ago. You just won your first powerlifting competition. Yes, this sir. Week, yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. How much did you deadlift? I deadlifted 500. So I won the middleweight division of my thing. Okay. So based on this trajectory, next year you will win a uh, surfing Surf competition. competition. Yeah, that'll be and the And the year one. after that, you will win a tennis tournament. Wimbledon, I think. Yeah. I'll probably win Wimbledon three years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wimbledon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Done. All right. Well, that's a good way to end. If you took exception to any of our New Year's resolutions, or you thought, or you thought that we, uh, you know, just got it wrong when we picked the best of and several different things, missed something, or whatever, you just want to let us know something else. 508-687-2589, 508-687-2589. You can email us at m54 at wondermedianetwork.com. That's m54 at wondermedianetwork.com. As always, I'm at Jason Kander on Instagram and Twitter. Ravi is at Ravi M. Gupta on Twitter and Instagram. We're also both of those things on, on post, whatever that is. And our show is at Majority54 on Twitter. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch, Edie Allard, Adesua Agbenile, and Sarah Schleed. Theme music provided by Kemet Coleman, and special thanks to Diana Kander. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard Professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.